Look, good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who I haven't met, my name's Andy. I think I have met everybody, so I, that was quite a redundant way to start. Um, are you all doing okay? Good. It's cold, isn't it? What we just did then was some informal Anglican liturgy, wasn't it? It's cold, isn't it? You're wearing a t-shirt. You all said in unison. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, cool. We're going to dive into the next part of our uh, series in Acts. As you know, we've been in Acts for a while, um, and we've made it to Acts chapter 6, um, which I think is no small feat, given how long we have been in Acts. Um, so, Acts chapter 6, if you, if you have a Bible or you have a phone or if you have um, uh, whatever, if you can turn to there. I think it's on page, if you've got the, the church Bibles, 1098. Um, before I dive into that scripture, <clears throat> just to remind you of what, what we're doing and why we're spending so much time in Acts, um, is because when we, we look at Acts, um, we see... This, this, this church, this community of believers that are full of the Holy Spirit. Um, they, they're filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Um, and then that leads to a gospel movement, a movement of the gospel that leads to many people coming to faith and leads to the transformation of the society around them. Um, and so uh, it feels fitting right at the beginning of our little church for us to study uh, what went on at the beginning um, of the church and see what lessons we can take from it as we figure out what we're doing here in Felton. Um, you've probably heard me say a bunch of times that our vision uh, is to be a church that's on fire with the, with the Holy Spirit, the power and the love of God, um, and that um, through this church, uh, God would bring life um, to every part of Felton. So we're really focused as a church. It's the reason why we planted this church. We're really focused on Felton. We believe we've been called to Felton, this particular space, um, to bring the good news of Jesus to Felton. And so this is what we see in the, the book of Acts. So we're doing everything we can to learn as much as we can um, from this book as we um, forge our way here. So the passage is Acts chapter 6. And honestly, I almost skipped over this and went on to the, uh, the, the starting of verse 8 when it got on to Stephen um, because I thought that's way more exciting. Um, but then I read through and I thought, actually, I think there's something really important in these, these seven verses here for us this morning. So uh, we are going to read through it. So let's have a look. So uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing... The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all their disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of, spirit, full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurius, tricky name, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch. Antioch. 
and I, I convert to, I mean, I've tripped over all of those names, haven't I? Uh, from Antioch, a convert to Jerusalem. For, to JD, oh gosh. Hey, uh, my name's Andy. Uh, start again. Let's go to verse 6, because verse 5 is way too hard. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests um, became obedient to faith. Lord, we ask that as we look at this scripture this morning, you speak to us, you transform us, and you teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that we're, we are struck by when we read this, well, I, certainly I was struck by, um, before, before even looking at the problem that the apostles face, was the fact that they um, have this system of distributing food, and if you read in previous chapters, um, and money daily to those who are in need. Um, there is this food bank that has emerged. You know, there, there is a, the, the church is full of the Holy Spirit and they're attending to the spiritual needs of the people, but also the physical needs. And so in Acts chapter two and four, we read about how uh, the apostles, they sold property, they shared possessions, and they brought money and goods to the apostles who then distributed these things to people who were in need, to the last, the lost, and the lead, least. And so they're ministering the word both in word and in deed. And so it seems fitting that last, a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching about how the battle is both a spiritual and a physical one. It seems here also um, that the way that they were ministering the the early church was both in spiritual and physical ways as well. And so in this particular example, um, they were giving to these widows. And so um, this way of community living that the church had adopted, and we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, is that there was no needy people among them. It's as if poverty was totally eradicated um, from within their community. So those people who who responded to the gospel um, and then became part of their community, there was this wonderful space where people um, shared what they had, they cared for each other, and it said that there was no needy people among them. And so I think taking care, well, I know that taking care um, of those among us in our community And those around us, you know, in Felton, should be one of the key hallmarks of us as a church on fire. James, in fact, writes this, The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so the, the, the early church really enacted this. They made it their business to take care of the people around them that were in need. And again, in this, in this moment, it was looking after these widows. And so the ministry um, of the word um, was the primary kind of activity of the apostles. But then what followed that very closely were these acts of compassion. It was almost like the faith was then outworked in deeds. Um, And I think there's some really important lessons for us to take away from this as as a church. Uh, And what they did then, and uh, so this has kind of got my mind thinking a little bit of what it might look like for us at Christchurch, that um, they then created, as a community, this this money and food bank to care for those without. And while this isn't the main thrust of the passage, I think I'll just stop here just for a second and get us thinking 
Um, again, what does it look like um, for us as a church to be attending to the needs of those in our community, but also those um, in the wider community, in our local community in Felton? And the church has always had this wonderful reputation of being a, a body by which um, the needs of the community is met. So you think like the emergence of schools or universities or hospitals and orphanages all began from within the Christian community. And a lot of these things were then taken on by the state because they were such good things. But it feels like this, we're now in a, in a moment in history where kind of funding is being cut. We think about like the youth centers and so on that are happening in Hounslow. And there's an opportunity for the church again to be thinking about what does it look like for us to be a, a body that takes care of our community. And so I think um, what we need to start doing more and more is asking ourselves, when we look at Felton, when we look at our neighbors, when we look where we are placed, and where is it hurting? Um, who are the forgotten in our community? Who are the vulnerable and the weak? And what can we be doing as a community, as a body, to be alleviating the suffering and bringing blessing? Um, and this should be outworked, I think, among us in our community so that there aren't people in need here that we're taking care of those people who are drawn to our Christian community here at Christchurch, but also outside as well. So I'd love us to be thinking and praying through what does that look like for us to do that as a church. I've got a few ideas, but you guys will have even better ideas um, than me. Um, a couple of things that come to my mind was... Uh, a, lot, a bunch of us were involved in some of these missional groups um, last term. I'd love us to try that again next term, missional groups 2.0, I think we'll call it. Um, and uh, we'll start thinking about in those groups, in particular, what does it look like? What are the needs, the hurts, the, the aches of Feltham? And how can we create groups that are going to be doing different activities that are going to help to alleviate some of those um, difficulties. Uh, so we'll talk a bit more about that in the new year, about these new missional groups. We may form different groups and try different things so that we're out in amongst the community. Um, there is uh, the Feltham Food Bank. Um, so I've been in touch with them over the last couple of weeks, and they're really keen for us to get involved in any way we can. So that will be like collecting foods um, from our community. Um, so we'll, we'll have a little box so from next week. Um, we'll, we'll say these are some of the things that they're looking to collect, particularly in the Christmas period. They've invited us to get involved in the distribution of the food around Christmas and for us also to make referrals for those people who um, are struggling with um, putting food on the table. So this is a, a really easy, practical way that we can start to help out with the needs in our community. And it's so important we do um, with the Felton Food Bank. If you have a look on their website, the, um, this is what it says. In the months um, June to December 2018, Felton Food Bank distributed 600 food parcels to feed 910 adults and 691 children. And these figures demonstrate an ongoing increase month on month. And they've got this little chart where you can see that um, the, it, over the past couple of years, and the amount of food that they've had to distribute to families in Feltham is on the increase. And so I think there is an opportunity for us to really get involved and help out, uh, similar to what they're doing in Acts. Um, another idea that we've been asked by the prison um, at Felton Young Offenders, if we'd be up for hosting 
um, their park run that they do once every six weeks as well. So I know that we, we get involved with the park run down at Hamworth Park. Um, so maybe we'll get a reputation among the community of adopting park, local park runs. Um, but yeah, they've asked us if we'd be up for running with the guys um, and just to start build relationship with them, helping them, marshalling them around the, the, uh, the, the track. Um, it does involve us getting uh, like checked beforehand, you need your national insurance and all these kinds of things to get into the prison. But once you're in, um, then we can find out how much quicker they are than us, um, which I'm sure <laughs> apparently they fly around the course. Um, there are opportunities to us to get involved, responding to things that are happening in our community. Remember last year, there was the stabbing that happened um, just near uh, Felton Park. And uh, we were invited to go and clean up that park and, you know, show some community spirit. Um, and um, so I, I went along with Hannah Kirkpatrick and who else did we go with? Do you remember? No, there was someone else. Oh, such a good pastor. Um, anyway, we went and we wandered around the park and we were cleaning up the park. And the thing that struck me actually was it wasn't the Christians that were driving that. It was actually the Muslim community. And it made me think, Gosh, we need to be at like the forefront of this, of alleviating suffering, being blessing, being a force of good in our community. And so there will be a bunch of opportunities for us to get involved. Actually, I'm just looking at you, Kaylee, right now. You're doing amazing. Can I put you on the spot for a second? So, Kaylee, come up here. Everyone, meet Kaylee. She's brilliant. Yeah. I say I've put you on my spot. I've actually written you in my notes, and I was going to do this to you anyway. Um, <laughs> But you do, LV can you tell us about LVA and how that came about and how this is kind of a response to a similar kind of thing that was going on? Go. I love putting people on the spot. I don't normally. <laughs> so um, uh, LVA Trust stands for Loved, Valued and Able. And we do relationship and sex education in schools and youth settings. But we also do... From our relationship and uh, sex education grew uh, mentoring and small groups, um, mainly because I just have a real need for relationship. That's where I, it, that sort of feeds me in my work, if you like. Um, so we also, uh, our mentoring program is really sort of building and it's where, I think it's where my heart really lies. But um, from that, we've really always had a vision that we want to be a bridge from schools into churches. So we're, we're sort of seeing out that vision, how that might play by youth work and stuff like that. But it, LVA was born from um, four years ago. We were sitting around a kitchen table as I was fundraising for another charity with a friend. And we just really realized we had a passion for this. So um, I was a teenage, we were teenage parents. Um, and just life really wasn't good for me as a teenager. And I just really feel like, you know, God gives us back the years the locust has taken, and I really feel like he's used every single horrible experience I ever had and turned it into something beautiful. So um, that's where that was born from. Is that all right? That's perfect. We're putting you on the spot. Thank you so much. <laughs> what I love about that is that there, 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 there's something in Kaylee, in her heart, but also she was responding to something that she could see among teenagers as well, like the brokenness and so on. And uh, it's incredible. So I, I want to give you loads of opportunity to speak more in this community about LVA and how we could get involved. Because you're in a bunch of schools now in Feltham. And, uh, you know, we want teenagers. I share your vision. I want teenagers to know that they're loved, they're valued, and they're able. 
And uh, so this is like a, another practical way that the church responds to the need that we see in amongst us. And so we want to come up with a bunch of different ideas of how we can be a blessing, how we can alleviate suffering. And so I welcome any and all ideas, and then we're going to get involved in that. Um, we'd love to have, I would love for us to have a reputation in this town of being a people who love their town, who are committed to seeing it flourishing, are willing to sacrifice our time and our effort in order to be a blessing. Um, and so um, we're going to come up with lots of ideas, lots of things to do, and love to encourage you to be involved in any way you can. So there, there's, there's that aspect. And then I was thinking too, it would be great for us to be thinking about what does it look like for us to take care of the people in our community. Um, I'd love us to be, be a part of a community where we can be honest about our needs that when uh, trouble hits us or when things start to become tough, um, we don't feel like we need to cover it up and put on our, you know, our brave face, but we're able to come along and say, do you know what? This is the need. This is why I'm hurting. This is why I'm at lack. And then us as a community, um, attending to each other's needs. I think if the church is a place where we feel we need to put on a mask, that we failed, you know. <laughs> The whole gospel rests on the fact that we're, we're broken and sinful and we need a savior. And, and so by putting on a mask, we're almost saying to Jesus, we don't need what you did for me because I've got it together. Um, and so there's, we'd love us to have a group acknowledgement that when we come here, um, if we're in need, let's, let's say it. Let's speak to each other. Let's ask for prayer. Let's ask for practical help. Um, and uh, I was struck when I was thinking about this. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this, um, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Um, and there's something very um, uh, attractive about our community uh, that, that's foundation is love, our care for one another. So to that end, we're putting a couple of things in place. Um, one you may have seen already. Um, Paul Morgan was talking to us about um, how we could use church suite to do needs and haves. It's an excellent idea. Um, so what uh, we've done on the Facebook group is uh, we thought, let's use Facebook. Lots of people have it. So our little Facebook uh, Christchurch Felton community. It's a group that I'd love you to, to join. Um, and let's start using this page to do um, needs and haves and prayers and invites and all sorts of different things. So if you have uh, a need, like I, you know, if you're in lack in some ways and uh, you write that down, oh, I need this, then if you in the community have it, Say, I can help you. And we just start to help one another if there's a prayer request or if you're doing something that the tapping's amazing. They're not, Anna's in there, but she's having a Christmas party and she's invited us all there through that page. Um, so if you're not on that page yet, um, do let us know. If you don't have Facebook, um, don't worry. We'll find other ways to make sure you get the information. So let me know if you don't have Facebook. Um, but it is, it, is a, it is a closed group in the sense that we want people who are part of the community to, to access this. Um, it'll be different from our Facebook page, which is one where we kind of out a bit more outward looking. So they've got different purposes, but um, yeah, I, I, you, let's use that. Secondly, um, we've, we've, we want to be using our meal trains well. Um, Rosie Gordon-Smith um, is so brilliant at, if there's a need amongst our community, gathering people um, and getting people to make meals and make sure that in those moments when life is a bit tricky, uh, you don't have to worry too much about um, putting food on the table in the evening. And so I'm going to try and come up with different ways that we can practically serve, for one, serve one another. 
Or if it's just that you need a chat, you want someone to pray with you, then come and chat to Dizzy and I, and we'd love to um, help in any way we can. Uh, if it's signposting you to um, some, some other kind of services that might help or some prayer or linking you up with different people. But we want to think really carefully about how we, we, we take care of each other. Um, and it'd be wonderful for us to, to think because of the way that we care for one another, like they write in Acts, you know, there was no needy people among, among, among us because we made it our business. Um, so there's a kind of an honesty that I'm, that I'm hoping for. Um, in the midst of all of this. So stay tuned on all that. There'll be more information as time goes on. But let's go back to the passage because that's kind of a a, a slight diversion. So if we go back to the passage, um, we see um, that, so this daily distribution of food is happening and there's a problem um, that the apostles encounter. So in the, in the, in those days, right in the early church, there was like explosive growth going on. The disciples were increasing. And so the size and the scale um, of, of, the, of the needs, I guess, of the new Christian community was becoming slightly difficult for the apostles to manage. And so we have these two um, groups of Jewish um, women, Jewish um, widows, the Hellenistic Jews, um, who were Greek-speaking Jews, um, and then the Hebraic Jews, um, who the, were the Jews that would have spoken Aramaic and would have been seen as kind of the more pure Jews, I suppose. And so the Hellenistic Jews were the ones that were being overlooked and the Hebraic Jews um, weren't. They were getting their daily distribution. And so this conflict is brought before the apostles. Um, and um, was this actually happening? It probably was happening. Was it happening intentionally? I don't know. But there was this issue that was facing uh, the apostles. And so... This caught the attention of the apostles, um, and they wanted to make sure that this didn't keep happening, that both groups of Jewish widows were being taken care of. Um, I think what they were fighting for in this moment um, was um, fighting for being a community um, where discrimination against certain groups of people didn't happen. In fact, it wasn't tolerated. Um, And so um, they made it their business. It became their attention came to their attention, and they wanted to make a plan to fix it. Now, in Acts chapter 5 and in the beginning of Acts chapter 6, we can see that the early Christian community was under attack in a few different ways. Um, some commentators are saying that, um, that what's happening now is an, is, is an attack of the enemy to undermine the, the growth and the ministry of the church. John Stott, in his commentary, he says that there's been three ploys that we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. Um, first was corruption. So the enemy tried to, um, to try to corrupt the Christian community, you know, to, to, uh, to kind of undermine the purity, I suppose, of the community. And that was seen in the form of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, second was uh, the persecution of the church, which was happening under the, uh, at the hands of the Sadducees. And then this one, uh, John Stott argues, is distraction. Um, that, that their minds were, were taken away from the thing that they knew they should be doing to attend to something else. Now, I don't, that, I don't say that to take away from the situation of the widows because it was really important that their needs were attended to and, it, and the apostles made it their business to make sure that they were. Um, the problem that they were facing was that uh, the way that they, their community was set up at that point was the apostles were basically doing everything. Uh, they were doing the ministry of the word and they were managing the food bank and they were doing just about everything else. And what they were realizing is in the face of this problem right now is that they were being spread too 
thinly and that their ministry of teaching and calling people to Jesus and to pray was beginning to suffer. And so they needed to come up with a plan in order to make sure that the ministry of the word continued, but also that the widows were taken care of. Um, and so this is what happens next in verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Now, first reading of this, you'd be forgiven for thinking that the disciples are saying, do you know what? We're not waiting on tables because that is beneath me. Um, they have much more important things to do than wait on the tables. Let's find someone to do this job uh, because we don't want to do it. That's, that was basically how I first read it. But then the more I've kind of dived into this, you see that it's not the case at all. Waiting on tables in that culture... Um, was uh, seen as one of the key, if not the key role of the household of the day, and was often done by the head of the household. Um, so it was seen as the, the most important job in, in the household. And then you bear in mind that Jesus at the Last Supper, he was the one that was serving the disciples around the table, wasn't he? He was giving them um, the bread and the wine. And obviously serving is, is the hallmark of Christianity, isn't it? Jesus himself said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. So serving in this sense wasn't beneath them. Um, The problem was that waiting on tables and ensuring the widows that both the Hellenistic and the Hebraic Jews were being cared for was of utmost importance. But if they were to give all of their attention to that, that would have taken them away to this, taken them away from this sense of vocation. Um, And that was to ministry and to prayer. I think their concern here was that they, they could do both, but they wouldn't do both particularly well. So in the end, it came down to what their sense of vocation was. And, and for them, it was the ministry of the word and to prayer. So really quickly, what is vocation? Uh, it's a funny Christian word, isn't it, vocation? But vocation uh, is uh, your God-given calling. It's the thing that you were wired to do. When you step into your calling, you are stepping into what you believe God has created you to do. So for me, um, it was when I was, well, actually really quite young, when I was kind of 12, 13, 14, I always had this kind of dream in my heart uh, that I would be a pastor one day. It always kind of excited me, the thought of one day uh, preaching and teaching and potentially leading a church, being a pastor. And so that, was, that kind of grew in me, kind of day on day while I was a teenager. And it, and it felt through exploring, uh, you know, ordination, which I ended up doing, and all of these kinds of things, um, that that was my vocation, um, to be um, an ordained minister. <coughs> um, or actually, before it was ordained minister, it was just to be a pastor, be a church leader. That's what I felt like I was put together to do. And for some of you, um, you may have a really clear sense of your vocation, what you've kind of been put together um, to do. It may be ordination. You may have thought about ordination as something you'd like to do. And if you have, come and speak to me. I'd love to get that process started. Or maybe it's something completely different. And I guess the question is, if you do have a sense of what God kind of put you together to do, are you stepping into it? Are you doing it in your everyday? Are you doing it in the way that you serve here? Are you, are you doing it in the way that you live out your life? Maybe you're someone that's not really sure what your vocation is, what your calling is. Um, and if that is the case, 
then come and chat to me. And we, we've, there's all sorts of different things that we could do to help you mine into what God might be calling you to do. What are your particular gifts and talents and passions and how are you being wired together and what is God saying in the midst of that? But I do really believe that God um, has created you, each one of us, um, with a unique purpose, a, a vocation. You know, you think about Psalm 139, you know, he stitched us together in our mother's womb. He, know, womb, he knows all the hairs on our heads. And Jeremiah ch- chapter 1 writes of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And I think, I think you know, what was true for Jeremiah is true for us. That before we were born, God knew who we were. He knitted us together in particular ways and has a particular purpose for us. And, and I do think that when you step into the call God has for your life, um, it, it's, it's, it's then that you start to kind of fly. You feel fulfillment and joyful because you're doing what you feel like God called you to do, put you together to do. And this can be outworked in all sorts of different ways. Um, it, can, it can be outworked within the church. It can be outworked outside the church. It can be in paid or voluntary in all sorts of creative ways. Um, and so if, you don't, if that's not something you've really thought about before, then I'd love to help you start to think about what, what is it? How has God wired you? What are your gifts and your talents and your passions and your interests? And, and what is God saying to you at this moment? What, what do you sense he might be calling you into? And we'll see if we can figure that out together. I think it's probably worth noting, too, that um, vocational calling um, is a funny word. I've heard people kind of, they kind of arc up a bit like, I don't really like that word. Um, because it's used in all sorts of helpful and sometimes not helpful ways. Sometimes it can mean something to one person and something completely different to another person. And also it can be used as an excuse not to serve in a particular way. So I, well, I don't feel called to serve in that sort of way, which is code for, or as they used to say back, at, back in Australia, it's French for, I just don't really want to do that. So, um, and I remember, Actually, there was this one occasion where I asked uh, someone, this is years and years and years ago, but I asked someone if they'd be willing to uh, set up the communion table for me um, on a, a, once a month on a Sunday. And uh, they got back to me. I was like, no, I don't feel called to that. I was like, sorry. <laughs> um, so I, 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 uh, I think, I think there, there's sometimes, there, there are times when we, we, we serve and it lines up with our calling or sense of vocation. And there are times um, when we're just serving. And sometimes that can be costly. That's why I bang on about, you know, we want to give of our time and our talent. I don't just say of our, just of our talent or a sense of vocation. Um, so there will be times when we are in our sweet spot and we're serving in line with our vocation. There are other times when we're just getting involved in the life of the church. Um, and that might involve all sorts of things that uh, are not as fun. Um, but that's kind of what being a part of the church is about. I think there's kind of two sense of call, I suppose. There's a general sense of call for the Christian, which is to love God and to love others. That's Matthew 22, 37, the greatest commandment. And then there's a specific sense of call um, to love God and to love others in a particular, a specific kind of way. And this could take shape in all sorts of different ways. And again, I'd love to help you kind of figure that out, um, what it might look like for you to find your sweet spot and to use your gifts to the glory of God. So this is kind of what was going on for the disciples, the apostles. Um, they'd been called by God to, do, to minister the word, to preach Jesus and to pray. 
And so waiting on tables, while equally important, was taking them away from doing what their sense of vocation was. So this is what they did from verse 3. Brothers and sisters, they said, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip and the rest of those guys. And they presented them uh, to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So they selected these people um, who were full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. And their job was to manage the food bank and take care of the vulnerable in their community. Quite a significant moment in the church, really. It's a movement where uh, the majority, if not all the work, was done by the apostles. Um, And then there's this movement where they selected others, and this then became a pattern by which everybody started to find their place in the body um, and serving and using their gifts. And to emphasize the kind of importance of this moment, these seven people, um, they, they were prayed on. It was, like, it was almost like an ordination service in amongst the community as these people um, were prayed for and anointed for this particular task, which got me thinking, maybe we should be doing that as we uh, you know, commission people into different ways of serving within the church community. Maybe, maybe it'd be good for us to get everyone who's on kids' team together and lay hands on them and pray that God would use them for that purpose, a little bit like their ordination into children's ministry. That could be fun. Give them more dog collars. Um, no. And so we move here from the few um, getting involved and in doing the work of ministry to the many. And the result of this was that the widows were then cared for and the ministry of the word of God wasn't forsaken. And both were utterly crucial. And either could have undermined the church and ended its amazing growth. And the solution was the diversity of gifts and calling and more people getting involved. The reality is the church shouldn't be like a football game where there are 22 people running around on the pitch looking utterly exhausted while 30,000 people look in in desperate need of exercise. What they need is to be somewhere where everybody is involved using their gifts and giving of their times so that the mission of the church that God is looking for us to achieve is fulfilled. It was John Wimber. Um, who, who was like the pioneer of the vineyard movement, he coined this phrase, everybody gets to play. Um, and uh, when we think about the church as a body, which Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, um, we, we, the, the community, the, the Christian community is at its best when everybody finds their place, where everybody knows what their unique contribution is in the body and, and fulfills it. And, and the result of this delegation we read in this, in this passage, you know, of every member playing their part, these, these seven people which then rolled out to kind of more and more people getting involved in the life of the new church, was this celebration verse at the end of Acts 6, um, sorry, no, yeah, Acts 6 verse 7. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So when everybody gets involved, when everybody's starting to play their part, um, when, they, when they're 
living out their, their sense of vocation, but also serving just with their time. Um, the word of God spreads. The disciples or the early church begins to grow. And then even a large number of priests, which was quite cool. This is a bunch of the Jewish priests were then becoming Christian, being part of their community. So there's, a, there's, there's wonderful fruit that happens when everybody gets involved and it's not just held by two people in a Christian community. Um, if, if Diz and I tried to do absolutely everything in this community, uh, we would do everything really very badly. Um, but when everybody's getting involved, when everybody's using their gifts, when they're finding their place in the life of Christ church, um, that's when everybody starts to be fulfilled, but also there's a movement um, of the gospel that couldn't happen if it was just Diz and I trying to push things forward. So if we are going to reach and bless the people of Felton, we really do need everybody involved. Um, and so there's kind of three things I'd love you to consider. Um, Firstly, we'd love to ask everyone, if you're not already uh, on one of the many teams at Christchurch, I'd love to invite you to consider um, getting involved in one of the teams. Um, we are in need of lots of people getting involved. We've got a welcome team. We're doing Alpha again next term. Um, we've got hospitality. We've got kids. We're starting up youth um, in the new year. Um, we have a worship team. We have countless opportunities to get involved over Christmas. Um, and so I'd love to invite you, if you're not involved, Involved. If you're not on a team, um, then please consider joining a team, particularly as we look to the new year, because we are there's lots to do to pull off what we do, not just here on Sundays, but generally throughout the week. And uh, secondly, and we've been collecting some of these things already, um, but we'd love to hear more about what, what your kind of giftings are, the things you're passionate about, uh, the things that are on your heart. What are the things that you feel like God's been speaking to you about, particularly when you think about Feltham and Christchurch? Um, we'd love to know uh, where, where you consider your giftings or your sense of vocation is so that we can find ways to get you into your sweet spot because um, that, that to me is, is a really exciting moment for a church when we, we start to uh, get people into the right places and say, go. Um, and so we've collected some of that information and we st we're trying to figure out what that all means. But if there are, more, uh, there are more things that you'd love to share about some of your giftings, again, on that little give card, I think, that we used a couple of weeks ago, um, if you can fill that out and let us know and then we'll meet up with you and we'll figure out ways that we can you know, put you in the right, in the right place. And then lastly, um, I'd love us to be thinking about what is our equivalent to the daily distribution of food that the disciples were involved with um, in, in the early church. What does that look like for us here in Felton? What are we giving our attention to? How are we alleviating the pain and the suffering that we might see in our town? How can we be a blessing? Um, because th this, the lessons that we're kind of taking out of just this little passage that I almost skipped over is so important. We believe that everybody has a role to play, and we can see here that the church has an important role to play in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we take a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit to come um, and speak to you. Um, you know, I, I, the reason we do that is because these are all nice potentially nice words that I've spoken. Um, but what I'd love you to do in the silence is maybe take capture. What is the Spirit saying to you? What is, what, what are, what's the thing that's kind of leapt out to you um, as I've been speaking? It might be something I've said or something I didn't say. Um, and then 
as a part of that? What's your response? And so we invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come?